From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. After the first sitting of Morrison's joint party room, we now have a clearer understanding of what the next parliament will look like. It's one in which both the Prime Minister and the opposition leader are already campaigning for the next election. Paul Bongiorno on the week just gone and the 10 seats Scott Morrison wants to win. 7am. <laughs> Paul, how are you? Uh, I'm quite well considering my age and other infirmities. <laughs> no, I'm good, I'm good. Paul Bongiorno is a columnist for the Saturday paper and a 30-year veteran of the Canberra Press Gallery. All right, Paul, I wanted to jump in because this has been a huge week. It certainly has been a huge week. The uh, unlosable election was lost and the winners got together for the first time amidst euphoria and disbelief and much rejoicing, let me put it that way. But here we are, afresh. (laughs) What did that rejoicing look like? Well, they gave Scott Morrison, who was basically a one-man campaign, uh, they gave him a rousing reception, a standing ovation at what they call the joint party room or the government party room meeting, a meeting between the Liberal and National MPs who won their seats two weeks ago. So they get together for this joint party room meeting, I think it was on Tuesday. Mm. But they also, they let cameras in for a little bit of this, didn't they? What happened? Yes, uh, this is a new technique that's been developed, uh, I think, over the last six years or so, whereby the Prime Minister, the leader of the, of the government in this case, um, gets uh, to define what the victory means and to send key messages without anybody interrupting him. The the journalist can't jump in or anything. It's wonderful from their point of view. So Scott Morrison took full advantage of this. He invited all the networks to send their cameras and he addressed the team. What What is the key message that he's putting out there? Well, the key message he put out there, I think, he said, we're a committed team that's united in the way we were able to fight in this campaign. In other words, we won this election by being united, not sniping at each other, not contradicting each other. And then he says to do one simple thing, and that's to ensure Australians will be at the centre of our gaze. Hmm. So the cameras are there. This is pretty common that, that this is the first half of this kind of joint party room meeting gets recorded. It's a bit of a set piece, though, because then real action happens once the cameras leave. (laughs) Exactly right. According to a couple of uh, sources, Scott Morrison made it pretty clear that the first day of um, the campaign to win the next election was Tuesday of this week. He said, it's a tight election result. We have a bare majority and we have to set out to increase that majority at the next election. Does Morrison name seats? Yes. Morrison specifically named Mayo, which has been a traditional Liberal seat, and Indi. So they think that those two seats are particularly vulnerable. Then he named seats where Labor just won on a very thin majority, seats like Blair and Cowan, uh, Parramatta, Corangamite, McEwen. Gilmore, Macquarie, even Hunter, which is a traditionally safe Labor seat. And it shows an intent uh, that'll be quite interesting, I think, for observers to watch what's he going to do to try and win those seats. So what is overall the election pitch from this second week of government that he's putting out there? What's he projecting for the next three years already? Well, Morrison also spoke about his government being a compassionate government. The general view is that the Liberals are, you know, the hard-nosed economist, whereas Labor is the party of of, of the soft heart and compassion and, and takes care of people. Now, 
it'll be interesting to see if when, when Morrison, who, by the way, chose every word specifically, um, when he uses the word compassionate, what does he really mean there? And that, that's what remains to be seen. And he seems to be saying here too, this is not the third term of a coalition government that Australia is seeing. It's like the first term. It is the first term of a Morrison government. Yes, look, um, in Australia, it's very hard to win three terms, let alone to win four. I mean, obviously, it has been done, but it gets more difficult the longer you're there because by then, people have had a good look at you. They see that you haven't delivered as you said you would, etc. So if if Scott Morrison can reinvent himself as the first Morrison government so that people will then be more forgiving at the next election. But Paul... There are certainly things that Morrison can't control, the major one, of course, being the economy. Tell me about that. The reality is the economy is slowing. Inflation's at zero. And the fact that the Reserve Bank has signalled that it's going to cut interest rates, this is a sure sign that, that the Reserve Bank, for one, fears that there is a recession on the horizon and not the distant horizon. If you win an election as the better money managers, if you win uh, an election promising a strong economy and your economy grinds to a halt and smashes, or crashes rather, uh, into recession, then it doesn't matter how you brand it or what gloss you put on it, the voters will see it and more to the point, they'll feel it. And uh, one uh, seasoned Liberal backbencher said to me, if we get a recession next year, we'll be dead. We'll be right back. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating visionary, reformer, and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out that's what a therapist is for please <laughs> please go see a therapist we're very pro therapy yeah, yeah, if, no. if that's what you're using writing for i'm michael williams and on this week's very therapeutic episode of read this i chat with winnie dunn listen wherever you get your podcasts so paul while morrison is in the party room on tuesday cameras or not where is labor's new leader anthony albanese well, once it was confirmed um, on, on Monday that he would get the leadership unopposed, his first trip was to Queensland. Well, he's on the long, slow road to rebuild trust, Tom. Labor did very poorly in Queensland. And I'm really glad to have Anthony here with me in Longman today. As the Labor leader, elect, and I can't think of a better place to do it than right here in Queensland. Yeah. And he went to the seat of Longman, which um, Labor lost. And there he spelt out that everything that Labor put up at the last election is up for review uh, and there will be new policies down the track, policies that will be in line with his and Labor's values. And is he a campaigner like Morrison in any way? Well, this is what uh, many in the party room believe. They believe now that we have Scott Morrison who's morphed into ScoMo. We need somebody on our side uh, who, who, who is just as, you know, easy with people, hail fellow, uh, well met. What does it mean, though, for our politics 
Paul, that both sides are already right into campaign mode before anyone's doing any governing? Well, that's a very good question. Um, but look, it, it's it's the nature of our democratic um, um, politics in a free society. And in one sense, you could argue that it's a good thing because the essence of democracy is that um, politicians enact the will of the people. Now, it's a two-way street. Politicians should lead, uh, but they should also listen. Now, this is interesting because um, Albanese up in Queensland on Tuesday said, we have two ears and one mouth, and I'll be doing a lot of listening. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess that's not a bad way to interpret what just happened. It's not a bad line out of the election we just had. Well, look, I, I... I think that's right, although Labor was listening on a lot of fronts, uh, you know, especially about low low wages, uh, the need um, to do more in the Medicare area, especially for cancer, the, the need to do more, for example, with childcare. All of these things was Labor listening. It was just the way in which Labor said it was going to pay for all of this that scared the horses. Paul, there was one other person I wanted to talk to you about this week, um, and that person is Arthur Sinodinus, who's now leaving Mm. to take up the post of ambassador in Washington. I'm wondering what the coalition loses with his departure to the US. Yes. uh, Arthur Sinodinus, who's longtime chief of staff and advisor to John Howard. So he is a moderate liberal uh, and he's a moderate voice. So he's won the term consigliere. Now, consigliere, you've got to be careful of because that's the mafia word. (laughs) For the advisor to the Don, <laughs> but 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 uh, putting putting that aside, I think he'd probably wear it as a badge of honour. So, Sinodinus, of course, as a his, as, you know, as a student of politics, had an eye to what Menzies, Sir Robert Menzies, did in 1961. Menzies won that election by one seat, and he set about to broaden the appeal of his party, uh, and and took over some of the more attractive policies that Labor had actually taken to the 1961 election. Now, I spoke to uh, Sinodinus this week, uh, and he told me the bigger the tent you can have, the better. So the more you can bring into your bigger tent, the better. And that was his way of saying, maybe it would be a good idea for Morrison, if he wants to win those 10 extra seats, to mm, have a look at the Cancer Initiative, for example, or maybe have a look at at childcare. So is this advice that Sinodinus is giving to Morrison before he goes off to Washington, that there might be some policies that the coalition could borrow from Labor's platform that it took to the election? Look, I've got no doubt about that, but I suspect that he and Morrison would be on the same page there. Mm. But it would take clever marketing. You know, you can't look like capitulating that you won the election on a fraud and, and Labor actually had better policies. You know, you, you've got to be you've got Selective to be careful. borrowing, shall we say. Yes, yes, indeed. Is climate policy somewhere within that selective borrowing or at least in the conversation? When it comes to climate change, Morrison's appointment, particularly of Angus Taylor as the uh, energy and climate change uh, minister, doesn't really send a good signal. We know that uh, Taylor is a climate sceptic. He was a relentless campaigner against uh, wind energy. And interestingly, he even has a cloud over him and the fact that he thinks that Labor should now support the Liberals' much less ambitious emission reduction targets. He said Labor should listen to the people and come into our tent. Well, unlike Arthur Sinodinus, who has a bigger tent, it looks and sounds like Angus Taylor has a much smaller TP. Paul, thank you so much. That's the end of our first week. I couldn't think of a better way for us to end it. It's been a pleasure, Elizabeth. Bye.
Sydney Dance Company explodes on stage with Memento. This world premiere by acclaimed choreographer Raphael Bonicella is unmissable contemporary dance. Strictly limited season from the 28th of May to the 8th of June. Book now at sydneydancecompany.com. Elsewhere in the news, in the US, special counsel Robert Mueller has said it was, quote, not an option to recommend criminal charges against President Trump in his report on election interference. Trump has claimed that the heavily redacted report is vindication of his innocence. But Mueller says, quote, if we had had the confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. And it's reported that former Foreign Minister Julie Bishop has turned down the position of Governor of South Australia. According to the report, she wants to prove herself on the free market. 7am is produced by Emile Klein, Ruby Schwartz and Atticus Basto with Michelle Macklem. Eric Jensen is our editor. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Equate Studio. I'm Elizabeth Kolas. See you next week.